Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. You bring blessing everywhere you go. You bring freedom. You bring liberty. Out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your precious and life-giving Word. Father, we're so grateful that you came looking for us, that you crucified Jesus before the foundation of the world, that you had a plan to, to reach out to us, to show us how much you love us. Father, to send your Son to die for us, to save us, to set us free. Father, we're so grateful that we can walk in the liberty of your Word and of your Spirit. Thank you, Father, that you brought freedom to our very heart. Thank you that Jesus lives on the inside of us. Thank you, Father, that we can walk with you and talk with you and be like you. We're so grateful, Father, for everything that you have done for us and everything that you've done in us and everything that you're going to do. And so, Father, we open up our heart with anticipation for what you have for us, Lord. Lord, reveal yourself to us through your word today. Reveal yourself to us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, please anoint my lips to speak this word today and anoint every ear to hear what you are saying to them. Father, let them receive this word with gladness so that it might bear fruit in their life, Lord. Let it not fall on stony ground or, or, or ground that's choked with weeds, but Lord, let it fall on fertile soil and let it grow up and produce in their lives, Father, so that they can fulfill the high calling, fulfill their heavenly, the heavenly goal that you have for them and the plan that you have for their lives. Thank you, Lord, for opening up this word to us and for making it real to us, giving us understanding, giving us revelation so that we may not be hearers of the word but also be doers of your word. Father, may we take this word that we are receiving and may we put it into action and may it produce awesome, good fruit in our lives. And Father, I thank you for your hand upon everyone here. And our Lord, I thank you that as they face challenges in their life, I thank you that they always sense your presence with them when they are, are, are obedient to, the, to your word, Father. Whenever they're confronted with a situation, may your word rise up on the inside of them, giving them direction, giving them wisdom, giving them the right words to say in every situation. For we know, Father, if we will just obey you and if we will just do what you tell us to and just walk in love and conduct ourselves appropriately according to your word, I thank you, Lord, that you will turn every situation around to work out for our best and for our good. And so, Father, we just honor you today. We say that we love you. We worship you in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So we ended off last time with Galatians chapter 5, talking about the uh, works of the flesh and then the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is obviously is just going to be a natural outflow and an outworking of everything that you're allowing God to do on the inside of you. Amen. Let's look at Leviticus 19. 
verse 13 through 18, it says, you shall not defraud or oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until morning. You shall not, in other words, somebody works for you, then pay them when you need to pay them, if it is in your power to do so. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall reverently fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in judging a case. You shall not be partial to the poor or show a preference for the mighty, but in righteousness and according to the merits of the case, judge your neighbor. You know, that, that part there that says, don't curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. God wants us to be kind to people who don't have all the abilities that we have. And you know, it's a sign of a, of a society that is, that is, in, is in ruins or close to being destroyed when they, they think nothing of life they don't take care of those who are less fortunate, those who have handicaps. You know, in, in Nazi Germany, long before they took all the Jews and gassed them and killed them, they were killing the handicapped people. They were just systematically exterminating anybody that had a mental or a physical handicap. And you know, when, when people see people that are not perfect as, as not, you know, that, that they shouldn't be allowed to live, that's not right. That's not a choice that we can make. We need to love people who are less, you know, have less ability than us, or not as perfect as we are in whatever way. I mean, I, I think of some of these TV shows that you have where they take these guys that are homeless or maybe the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor and their brain's been fried with drugs and alcohol and make them do all these crazy stunts and hurt themselves. And they think it's, and this generation thinks it's hilarious. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not gonna mention the program and they even made a movie of it. And it's the name of a donkey, but um, I mean, that, that's not walking in the love of God. That's not caring about your neighbor. That's, that's, that's just, you know, that's, that's what the Bible calls, you know, people's natural affection, just there being none of it. And so, and if you don't even have natural affection for people, if you don't even have, I mean, you, you don't have to love someone to be kind to them. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they don't have to be your family or your best friend to just be nice to someone, to help them to reach out for them, to feel sorry for them. And it's really scary when you see what this generation's getting up to and what they think's acceptable because it's just the thin edge of the wedge. You know, we think, oh, it's not so bad, but it's the thin edge of the wedge because with every generation, it's worse. It's like, you know, what they show us on television and everything and what they portray, it's like you get hardened to it. It's like that's normal to you. And then then they bring the next thing that's a little worse and everyone's like, (gasps) And then you get used to that and it becomes normal and then you slide in whatever's worse and slowly just corrupt the whole society. I mean, I see in America, we've been here 17 years and I see America has changed. The the TV, what they would would not allow then and what they're allowing now, what was only on cable then that now is just on anything that your kid can can watch. And then they'll they'll have it in the theaters and it's R-rated and you have to show your ID, but then they'll stick it on TV and anybody's kid can just turn it on. So... Um, you know, and that's with everything in life, people's hearts get hardened because of sin and because they tolerate sin. So we can be surrounded by an evil generation, but we don't have to allow that to affect our heart. We can, we can set a standard for our life. And, uh, and, and, you know, the light shines even brighter in the darkness. And so your, your, your light's gonna shine brightly in the darkness when you stand up for what's right. Verse 16, you shall not go up and down as a dispenser of gossip, 
and scandal among your people. Nor shall you secure yourself by false testimony or by silence and endanger the life of your neighbor. So don't try and protect yourself by either telling a lie or by keeping quiet when you could speak up. Don't endanger someone else's life to save your own. The Bible says rather speak up and speak the truth and take responsibility. That could be if your life's at stake or your job, but it's the same principle. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. Remember what Jesus said, if you've, if you've sinned in your heart, it's sin. You have to deal with it the same way as if you did it in the flesh because it begins in your heart. So, so the Bible actually equates hate and murder. And if you hate someone, that you've actually murdered them in your heart. And so we need to deal with those, those things because God looks at the heart. He looks at the attitude of your heart as much as he does your outward actions because that's the root of it is in your heart. So deal with those things in your heart. Deal with them in your head. But you shall surely rebuke your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him. So in the, in the body of Christ, we don't tolerate sin. We deal with it. We speak the truth in love. We don't tolerate it in people. We might love people. I mean, I love my kids, but I, don't, I didn't love the naughty things that they did, and I disciplined them, and I dealt with it. And so we are to love one another, but we're not to tolerate sin in a and amongst each other. It doesn't mean we beat each other up. It doesn't mean we judge each other. It doesn't mean we gossip and scandal. It means, it means we cover that person. We love them. We speak the truth in love. And we're going to cover a few other scriptures through here of, of dealing with some of these things. But um, you don't help someone if, you, if they are doing something wrong and you don't say anything. You need to say, if they're your friend and they're doing something wrong, you need to say, you know, just, I mean, really pray about how the Lord wants you to say it. But then Talk to them about it. Give them the scripture. Talk to them and do it in a loving way and, and, and a kind way. If they don't listen to you, then you know what? Then you, you withdraw from that friendship. Obviously, you have nothing in common. We've had that. We've had friends. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then it's like there's a point where they just make some choices that take them off in a direction. And you can go with them or you can, you can stay on the path that God has for you. Then you have to let them go. But you have to love them enough to, to tell them the truth. And if they walk away, don't. Don't get angry. Don't start fighting at them. Start fighting with them. We've had people get mad at us over, over something and walk away. We always left the door open. We always left the door open. So if they, if they came back, we, were, we, we didn't, you know, it wasn't a case of they come back and say, I'm sorry, and you go, okay, well, just hold it. Just give me a moment. I need to deal with this and forgive you first. No, you've already dealt with it. So when someone comes back, it's like, hey, how you doing? I mean, you know, we've had people be so ugly to us, and, and we just... You know, we did nothing to them. They just got mad because of something. It was an issue in their own heart, an, an insecurity or a jealousy over something. And um, they got mad at us. And, and uh, well, some people got mad at us when we started this church. Let me tell We had people calling from Africa telling us, you know, you're, you're not a pastor, you're not an evangelist, you're not a prophet, you're not an apostle, and you're not a teacher. And sure, God's used you to have a mighty revival, but, um, you know, you're not called to pastor, and, you, you, you know, basically you're nothing. And so we said, well, hey, hallelujah, that confirms what we've been saying all along. We're nothing. He's everything. We're just an usher. We're just here to usher his presence in, and he does the rest. And so, you know, we just had to let it go, but we thought, these poor people, you know, they just get their knickers in a knot about every small little thing, and they're offended from the other side of the world. People were, I mean, people were more offended outside of Tampa than the local pastors in Tampa that we started a church. 
And, and we had some people that, that just cut off and wouldn't have anything to do with us and people that lied about us. And, and we just loved them and left it. And, you know, and then we'd accidentally bump into them places and, and they'd be all sheepish, you know, because they knew they'd been, you know, gossiping about us all over the place and lying. And we'd just say, hey, how you doing? Sit down, have a meal with us and just treat them like, like there was never a, a fight and left it. And, and you know what? And we're still here and their life's a big mess, and I'm not happy about that. I would rather that they were in the ministry and had their church and had their wife, and we're doing something for Jesus because we need every person. We need every person in the body of Christ that we can get. Amen. Amen. Everybody with the anointing, everybody with the fire, God needs them. He doesn't need any of us taken out. And so, you know, we shouldn't rejoice when our brother or sister gets taken out. We should, we should cry and pray because God needs us. God needs all of us. I mean, look at these, these areas now that have been hit by the earthquake. I mean, God needs an army of not just people to help with food and medical supplies, but people to go love on those people, tell them that Jesus loves them and give them some hope. They've, they're dealing with terrible tragedy. God needs so many more people than what he's got. And so we don't need anybody to, to miss out and to lose out and to, to, to fail. And so we, we, we need to... Our, our job needs to be to love people, to speak the truth to them, keep our ho- own heart right, keep a humble attitude, and, and protect them with prayer, and protect them with the truth. And then we've, when, if someone has to come and speak into your life and you know they're coming as a friend and they're speaking the truth to you, and it might, you know, nobody wants to hear that they're doing something wrong. It's never, discipline is never comfortable. It's never, it, n- discipline never comes without some pain or correction. It always comes with some pain. <laughs> but we need, we need to humble our heart to receive correction as well in our own life and receive it in love and not get angry with the person who's coming to speak to us. Amen. Because whatever the attitude, I mean, we had a, we've had a lot of people in our life call us in and tell us, well, you're not called to do this and you need to be doing that. And, and we were like, well, we never heard that before. God never said any of those things to us. And so we just respected them and honored them. And when we walked out, we said, Lord, Either we're really kind of dopey and we're not hearing from you and this person speaking the truth and you using them to come along and, and to help us, or they just don't understand. They're just judging our call by what God's called them to do and they're judging us on the outside. God says we no more judge one another on the, on the outside by, by appearances, and, uh, but we look on the heart. And so um, we said, Lord, if, if we need to change something, we'll do it. But if not, we're gonna keep on doing what you told us to do. And the Lord just said, don't pay any attention, just do what I told you to do, and you know, they'll see, they'll see what I've called you to do. But not everybody, not everybody can see what you called to do. Not everybody's gonna receive you, not everybody's gonna believe that that's what God's called you to do. I mean, there's some of you, the most unlikely of you, that if you shared what God's called you to do, that, that people would be like, you know, <laughs> if they didn't outrightly just mock you, you know. And of course, you know what Pastor Rodney's like, I mean, he, he can't keep anything to himself, he's got to share it, and so I mean, it's he's he's learned he's he's learning to hold on to things, but he he just I mean he puts it all out there, and he was like that from really young, and he would just share, and he would think that everybody would be as excited as him about what God was doing, and so he'd share the Lord t- showed him this, and and he wanted he had some plans and some ideas for doing some stuff and for ministry and for for getting the other students involved in ministry, and and they were like they were like, who do you think you are, like? Uh, uh, you know, whatever. And you know, none of those people are doing anything for God today. 
None of them. I've never heard of them again. They're in secular work. They're not even in ministry. So, you know what? You, you can't let that kind of stuff uh, bother you at all. You just got to you just got to do it, and your, your gift will make a way for you. If you've got the anointing on your life, you've got the call on your life, and if you're obedient, God will make a way. Amen. And it's not a, it's not a well, look at me, look what God's done for me either, because that's not walking in love. <laughs> that's not humility. And if you're not walking in humility, you will fall, because pride does come before a fall. Always, always, always. Always before someone falls, they get lifted up in pride. So I get, I get really worried when I see, or really concerned when I see ministers on TV, you know, starting with a very judgmental attitude or saying, there's nobody in the world that's doing anything to reach the world. There's only a very few ministries that are reaching the world. You want to you wanna go, ah, <laughs> honey, sit down, back off. You know, you're, you're like, you're going somewhere you don't want to go. And, um, and I think sometimes you have to know that I mean, you think you're struggling right now, just paying your rent, paying Bible school fees and to make it. But when you're out there and you're on the field and you, you, you know, there's, there's, there's always things that you have to deal with. There's always challenges. There was, there's always, uh, the devil's always going to try and bring something to cause you to back off, to, to, to pull out, to, to get tired. And a lot of people, even, even when they've had success, which looks like success, you know, in people's eyes, they can come to a place where they're, they're just, they're tired where they, they're not seeing clearly and they start opening their mouth and saying things they shouldn't say and trip themselves up. You know, I want to last for the course. I, I want to finish my course. I, I don't want to end it prematurely. I don't want to get to a place where I, I have a bad attitude and I can't see it. So be very careful of the people you surround yourself with. Because I've known, I've known people who, who are very critical and judgmental and just didn't have a nice attitude. And, and they had some people around them that would always, they was always stirring up strife with this person and other people and, and um, you know, just telling them everything they wanted to hear and manipulating situations and, and uh, you know, really stirring up pride in that person. You know, oh, you're so wonderful, you're so awesome. Oh, do you know about this person? And I thought, you know, this poor person, he's got these people around him that are just, you know, bringing him down. And, and I realized after about 10 years, I realized, you know, hold on a minute. This guy wants these people around him. He feels comfortable with these people. They, they do something for him. There's something wrong with him. Amen. Because you know what they say, they, you, know, you know, we can tell probably more about you by your friends than, than just about you and the way you carry yourself. So it's the people you choose as your friends tell a lot about you. So be careful who you surround yourself with. You can love everybody, you can be nice to everybody, but you don't have to be friends with everybody as far as close friends, people who have an influence in your life. People who influence you, let them, let them do it for good. Hang out with people that love Jesus more than you do. Amen. Marry someone who loves Jesus more than you do. <laughs> you shall not take revenge. This is verse 18. Or bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Don't take revenge and don't hold grudges. You can't walk in love if you have to revenge yourself. And when, if you go to take revenge, what you're saying is, I don't trust God to protect me. I don't trust God to take care of me. If you trust God to take care of you, you're not going to go out and try and take revenge. Because God will contend with those who contend with you, as he promised Abraham. He'll take care of them. Like Brother Yun, he took care of them when he walked in love. 
And so, and don't hold grudges. Don't, don't hold things against people. Go and sort it out as much as possible. If there is a situation between you and another person, whether it's your spouse or just some other person that you don't even know that well, try and work it out. Try and talk about it. Try and work the issue out. If it's not possible to do it because, not because you decided you're not going to do it, but because they don't want to know, then just let it go. Deal with it in your own heart. Drop it and go on with the Lord. And just love them. Just walk in love. Let whatever they, however they want to behave, whatever they want to say, whatever they want to do, just as much as possible, just every day, just commit yourself to forgive, to walk in love, and, and just leave it alone so that your heart's not compromised. Amen. And then they're responsible for themselves. I've seen every, every person that's, that's really come against us, and it's not because we're anything special. It's not because of us, but it's because when you come against anybody, you open the door to the devil in your life. And so I've seen people who've just come against us really hard for, for no, no real reason. I mean, if they had an issue with us, they were perfectly welcome to come and sit down and talk it out. But no, it was something, it wasn't anything we could do because it was just something in them you know, there's some people, they don't know what they want, but they want you to do it for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, they, and, and, um, and so, and I've seen every one of those people just, just not make it. And it's not just us, but I've seen, you know, people attack other ministries too and just not, not do real well in their own life. And it makes you stop and go, hey, I'm going to get my heart right because I don't want to end up like them. Matthew 6 Matthew 6, verse 11 through 15. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven. Left, remitted, and let go of the debts and have given up resentment against our debtors. So it's about leaving, walking away from unforgiveness. We've got to leave it behind. Don't carry it with you into the next day. That's why the Bible talks about in a marriage uh, or in any situation, don't allow the sun to go down on your wrath. In other words, while it's day, while you can take care of it, take care of it because the longer you leave things, the harder it is to sort it out. So it's, that's why it's better to, to sort it out as soon as possible. So leave, un, leave unforgiveness, remit, you know, just, just, just release them from, from the debt. Let go of the debts. Give up resentment against the people that owe you. People might owe you a lot. You know, they might owe you an apology. They might owe you, but just release it. Just let it go for your own heart's sake. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. How many of you heard Daniel Ekachukwu's testimony? Have you seen the videotape? How many of you seen the videotape? Okay, Daniel is a man who was raised from the dead under Reinhard Bonker's ministry. He, he got, he, what happened was his wife slapped him, which is unheard of and you don't do in Nigeria. She slapped him, he was so offended. And she, re she repented to him, but he would not. He, re he hardened his heart and he would not forgive her. And he made up his mind he was going to take her and send her off to his parents for a year, which was torture. Would have been, I mean, his dad's a Mormon. And, and to send his wife to go live with his Mormon father with his, his three wives, he ended up getting saved and let, let all the wives go except the first one <laughs> after Daniel got raised from the dead, so that was great. But, 
um, but he had hardened his heart against his wife, and because he did that, he opened the door to the devil, had a car wreck, and, and died. And as he was dying, he, he said, God, please forgive me of my sins. Well, the angel took him into and showed him heaven, didn't let him go in, showed him hell, and the angel said to him, God's bringing you back because the prayer of the rich man's being answered in this generation. Lord, send someone out from the dead so they can tell my brothers not to come to hell. And, and what's not on the videotape um, was that the angel said to him, if it wasn't for that, you would be going here into hell right now. And, um, you know, a lot of people miss that message. And, and, I, and I don't believe, I, I don't personally believe that you can just lose your salvation like that, but I felt like that there was something that happened in his heart, something when he hardened his heart, when his wife was on her face, banging on, on his door, begging him for forgiveness, and he had just hardened his heart something happened on the inside of him. And so, you know what, it's like a slippery creek bank. It's better not to play on the edge of it because you can be, you know, sooner or later, you're gonna lose your footing and you're gonna be in, that, in the mud. And so it's better not to even play on the fringes. Don't allow even the small things in. Don't allow it to grow to a big things, to where your heart is so hardened that you don't respond to the Holy Spirit. Because you can, the, the Bible talks about sin, that sin makes your heart hard. And so for a person to lose their salvation, they have to harden their heart, and sin hardens your heart. So you'll come to a place, you might think, oh, I'll never, I would never, you know, um, trample the blood of Jesus underfoot. I would never, uh, you know, uh, walk away from Jesus and, 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 you know, not have him as my Lord and Savior. But if you continue to allow sin in your life, and this is one way, this, this unforgiveness, you know, so for, for Daniel, what Daniel should have done is he should have said, Lord, I forgive my wife. Please forgive me. And God could have forgiven him. And, and so many people, you hear that, uh, I know, uh, I, th I think it was a testimony of someone that was in the tsunami that thought they were gonna die or some other situation, somebody that was close to death. And they said, God, forgive me. God, forgive me of my sins. What they should have said was, I forgive everybody that, that I'm angry with and that I have unforgiveness before, because God cannot, unless we, unless we release others, He can't. He cannot release us as much as, as He would love to. And so we, we do need to, we need to deal with it and, and treat it as a serious thing and not just as a light issue. Mark 11, 25 and 26, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it, let it go in order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings and shortcomings. Luke 17, verse three and four. Pay attention, always be on your guard, looking out for one another. If your brother sins and misses the mark, solemnly tell him so and reprove him. And if he repents, and feel sorry for having sinned, forgive him. And even if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, I'm sorry, you must forgive him. Give up resentment and consider the offense as recalled and annulled. You know, we've worked with people before that couldn't work with each other and had a big squabble and a fight, and so we pulled them all aside and we said to them, look, you guys need to sort this out. And the one person had done something that offended the other one, and and um, so we said, well, if you don't mind, would you please apologize for this thing that you did that offended them, whether wrong or right, it doesn't matter, just, you know, just apologize. So the lady swallowed her pride and 
said, um, you know, I'm very sorry and apologized. Well, the guy sits there and he goes, well, I don't accept that apology. And we were like, <laughs> you don't what? You don't what? How can you not? I mean, the Lord tells us, and we need to forgive people even if they never come and ask for it. But if they ask, if they apologize and say, please forgive me, you're under an obligation. You have to. You have to do it. And so we said, well, that's it. And we just pulled the whole lot of them out and just said, that's it. You ain't working in this ministry. You're not going to work here with that kind of an attitude. And, uh, you know, you, you can't be um, all, you know, nice to one you know, nice to the boss and mean to all, the, all the, the people you work with, that don't work. Amen. You gotta treat the people you work with as, with as much respect as you would your boss that pays you. Amen. Otherwise, how do you sleep at night? I don't know. You have to harden your heart to sleep at night. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse five through 11 uh, we're going to start off talking about something that has nothing to do with this because Paul was just dealing with the situation, but uh, I just had to give it some background. But if someone, the one among you who committed incest, has caused all this grief and pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, he has distressed all of you. For such a one, this censure by the majority, which he has received, is sufficient punishment. So instead of further rebuke, now you should rather turn and graciously forgive and comfort and encourage him to keep him from being overwhelmed by excessive sorrow and despair. I therefore beg you to reinstate him in your affections and assure him of your love for him. Particularly in a marriage situation, if, if you have a squabble and you sort it out and the other person apologizes, forgive them. It's so ridiculous when uh, in a family, in, you know, whether with parents, with children, even your kids. You know, it would really hurt my kids and, and I had some people you know, work for me and work, you know, help me with my kids and some of them would, would you know, the kids, are, they were kids and they didn't do what they were supposed to do or they did what they weren't supposed to do and sometimes you know, this one particular individual would get really annoyed with them and would tell them what she didn't like and you know all that but then she would never let it go she would just keep on and on and on and rubbing it in and reminding them and you know what they didn't appreciate that it was very it was really painful for them and so it's better you you deal with it if it's your kid spank their bottom if it's not your kid just just talk talk it out and then let it go and forget about it it's dealt with you don't bring it up i mean i know some families that they you know somebody did something to someone and then it's like, you know when someone's offended. And you go to them and you say, well, you know, what's the deal? And they're like, no, everything's fine, everything's fine. And then six weeks later, you did this to me. It's like, hello, <laughs> six weeks ago, I asked you and you said, everything's fine. <laughs> you know, oh, that, that's, I can't, I can't deal with that. That's too much drama for me, I'm sorry. It's too, it's, it's too much adrenaline, it's too much stress. I, I can't deal with people who can't walk in love and in forgiveness. I, I have to be around people who, who walk in love, forgiveness. I can't be around people who hold grudges, who are always bitter and always stirring things up and you know, have to have something going on in their life you know, to make them feel important or something, I don't know. I, I can't live like that. Some people can, I can't. I have to have peace. I have to have people who walk in love toward one another, who are kind, who deal with things and let them go. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, and I'm sure all of you feel that way too. All you little angels with wings on. <laughs> 1 
For this was my purpose in writing to you to test your attitude and see if you would stand the test, whether you are obedient and altogether agreeable to following my orders in everything. If you forgive anyone anything, I too forgive that one. And what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sakes in the presence and with the approval of Christ the Messiah. And verse 11 says, to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. You know this, you know that the devil is gonna try to stir up strife, number one. The devil's gonna try to get people to do what they shouldn't be doing. First of all, because he wants you to harden your heart. The devil would love for, for sin to take a hold of you, for your heart to be hardened against God. The devil would, the devil would love to have, for you to have sin in your life so that you can have guilt and be cut off from the presence of God and feel like you cannot come into the presence of God, be separated from him. The devil would like to separate us from one another because we are each other's protection. We protect, we cover one another. We help one another. So the devil would love to bring discord. He would love to bring strife into a situation. And you, um, a friend of ours who had a, a really awesome uh, teaching gift, and um, he got saved out of a hectic life of crime and everything else, and God, his wife got saved first and prayed for him for years, and finally he got saved, got radically uh, touched and changed, and we met him when we passed his um, he was pastoring a church and we did some revivals for him and, and he was talking about one day when he first started really walking with God and he started seeing into the supernatural and he would see, he would see demons and which has happened a lot to my father-in-law. He'd actually see into the spirit and see them and uh, he, he saw, one day he saw his child and, and his kid's friend, the neighbor, um, outside and it looked like they were playing with this big fluffy teddy bear and they were fighting, and he thought they were fighting over the teddy bear. And he, he got out there and he got close, and he realized, that's not a teddy bear, I'm seeing in the supernatural. And what this thing, this demon was like provoking the two of them, and they were like, <laughs> and fighting. And he stood there and he rebuked the thing in the name of Jesus, and the thing freaked out, took off, and there was peace. So there's actual, there's actual, there's devils that come in to stir up things, to stir up strife. And when we are fleshly, and when we allow the work of the flesh in us, and, and we're jealous and we're competitive, then he is able to come in and divide. But when we know what the devil's intentions are, and we know how he functions, when something like that begins, the first thing you do, you take authority over every spiritual force, you take authority over strife in the name of Jesus, and then you deal with your heart. You deal, you can't, you can't take responsibility for the way someone else responds, but you can, and you do have the responsibility of your own life, and your own heart, and your own mouth, and your own attitude. So in all things, I mean, when my kids would fight with each other, I know there's always somebody who starts it, and, but then, you know, if, if only one person started, if, if only one person's fighting, it isn't really a fight. So the one would start and then the other one would respond and then they were both fighting. And you know, saying things they shouldn't say or beating, up, beating each other up. And I would take them and spank them both and they'd be like, but he started it, but she started it. I'm like, I don't care, you finished it. You know, you picked up the offense and you carried the thing on, you, you, you are just as much you know, the problem. So you're both getting a spanking. 
And so I, I, I try to teach them, you've got to be accountable for yourself. You've got to be accountable for yourself. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. You have a decent attitude. You sort yourself out. Amen. Amen. Because, you know, you can't, when you stand before the Lord, you, you are not going to be, he's not going to allow you to say, but this person, but that person. He's going to go, who? I'm talking to you. And so don't, you know, you might be in a situation, a lot of times we, we're in a situation, it's like close quarters, we, maybe we work with someone that we can't get rid of, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe it's a good job, we don't want to leave the job, but we've got this coworker that just is, you know, hard to live with and been used of the devil or whatever, you know, just, just do what you can to walk in peace, do what you can to walk in love, to walk in forgiveness, and let God deal with them, and he will, and you know what, that person won't ever get anywhere, but God will take you on from there, but all of these things are things that God is using to produce character in your life, so it's not a problem, it's not bad, it's just you're, you're developing character, <laughs> Colossians 3.13, be gentle and forbearing with one another, and if one has a difference, a grievance, or a complaint against another, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. Think of everything that God has had to forgive you for when, it, when, when you got saved, all the stuff you'd already done, and even since you've got saved, the stuff you've done, and how, and aren't, aren't you glad that he just freely forgave you, that he didn't hold stuff against you, and he didn't say, well, well I'll forgive you maybe next week, but you have to do this and this and this and this first. No, he didn't, he just said, I love you, I forgive you, immediately. The moment you, you're truly sorry and you repent, he instantly forgives you. And so never forgive someone with conditions. Just forgive them, whatever. If it's your child, who, your husband, your wife, your relatives, your coworkers, just let it go. Just let it go, really work it. And, and you'll find, the more you work at it, the easier it will be, the faster you'll be able to do it. Because you know, when you first start dealing with these things, and some of us have never dealt with them in our life, and so it's like, we look and we go, oh, I've got such a long way to go. But if you'll just deal with it as it comes along, you'll find it'll be shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter the time that it takes to work through the whole cycle and process and bring you to the place where you need to be. Do you know what I'm talking about? Amen. When, when, we, when my husband and I first got married, if we had a fight, I'd be sorry for the fight, I'd be sorry for how I acted and what I said, but I was, I was prideful and I had a hard time getting it out of my mouth. It would be like right there. <laughs> and I had the hardest time saying it. But as I made myself do it, it became easier and easier. Amen. To where now it's, it's, it's so much easier now than it, than it ever was. Amen. And that's not to say you're never going to have to deal with it again. You know, you are. It's, it's always going to be an opportunity. But, but it's, it's not, it doesn't take as long. Instead of taking a week, it takes you you know, six days, five days, four days, three days, two hours, amen. Five minutes, <laughs> 60 seconds. First John 1, 9, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he's faithful and, and just, true to his own nature and promises and will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness and continually cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything not in conformity to his will in purpose, thought and action. Then let's look at uh, John 13, John 13, th uh, verse 34 and 35. I give you a new commandment that you should love one another just as I have loved you. So, so you too 
should love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you keep on showing love among yourselves. How are people gonna know that you're his disciple? By your great anointing? By your great preaching style? By the gifts? By the healings? By the prophetic utterances? How are they gonna know? By your love, by your love walk. And I think it's so sad when you get someone that's in a, in a, a leadership and a responsible position who doesn't walk in the love of God as an example to those that look up to that person. Because um, what happens is when you lead and you don't lead in the love of God, then all of those people will pick up and they'll be just like you and they'll act like you and they'll think that's how you need to be. And so sometimes we need to just break that cycle and just start walking in the love of God and leading, even if people haven't treated you with love, you know, People in ministry didn't treat us very well when we were younger in ministry. Uh, a lot of, sometimes they'd be really blessed by the ministry and then they'd go, well, how old are you? And we'd go, 22, and they'd go, oh, you're just a puppy. We were like, well, five minutes ago, we were a fully grown hound dog, <laughs> you know, and now, now we're just a puppy. And you know, it's like Paul said to Timothy, don't, don't let people disrespect you just because you're young. And you know, I thought bro um, Brother Rodney was 10 years older than what he was when I first met him because he carried himself mature. I mean, he knew what God called him to do. He was committed to God. He wasn't still trying to figure out which way to go. or he, 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 he wasn't trying to figure out if he wanted the world or if he wanted God. He knew he wanted God. He knew where he was going. He knew God called him. He just had to get there. And so he carried himself with maturity. And so I did think he was older. People did think he was older. But you know, I mean, he's been, he's been in, in it since he was five years old. And some of these other people, they're 40, but they'd only been saved two years. And so they had stuff to unlearn. So it didn't, just because they were 42 or whatever, didn't mean they knew anything more than he did at 22. Because he grew up in it, he didn't have a bunch of stuff to unlearn. He, he knew how to flow in the morning, he, he knew something. He'd, he'd grown up in the all night prayer meetings and in the Jericho marches where nobody could stand up and, and seen the gifts and seen healings and, and, and heard the, the word and had God speak to him, had supernatural visitations. And so it has nothing to do with your age. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah but it has to do with what's in your heart. Amen.